This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by our unbelievable YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Please subscribe and please comment in any way. You could win the cameo style shout out at the end of the week that we love giving out. Of course, I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Already posted today's Monster Monday, Ross Tucker football podcast that you can and should check out. lot to get to there with all of the divisional round games. It was awesome. lot to get to on this show as well. I've been looking forward to this one. Today is NFL underclassmen early entrant deadline, kind of. We will explain as we move along. When I say we, I'm always including my guy, Emery Hunt. He's the guy that you follow on Twitter, at F-Ball Game Plan. Football Game Plan on YouTube, speaking of YouTube, we're YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. He's Football Game Plan on YouTube. And then the key now... Look, there's 28 teams that the offseason has started. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Emery, always good to talk with you. I think this is cool. We've never done this show before where we just talk about some of the early entrant deadlines uh, decisions that we found interesting one way or the other. There's certainly a couple from Penn State that jumped out to me. I know there's several quarterbacks that jumped out to you. There's also a different process this year a little bit that I want to dive into with you. I'm not sure I totally understand it, so I want to get your thoughts. Before we do any of that, though, I did want to know for you as a guy with the scouting background and with the football game plan draft guide, any big takeaways for you from divisional round in terms of what what we should be looking at from prospects and players moving forward? You, you know, it's it's interesting when you take when you think about like a uh from the divisional round. You saw Deontay Harris and his impact and and what he was able to do uh from coming from a division two school and you see him out there doing his thing. And it, it's it just made me think of the draft this year, how we won't have that guy in this year's draft class because a lot of the small schools didn't play. So we'll talk about them in the 2022 draft. Um, but it's just interesting to watch, like, how big of an impact you can make. And it really doesn't matter where you come from. Um, so watching the Saints go out there and you saw the impact that he had in that game not being out there, it, it made a huge difference in what they were able to do from an explosiveness standpoint. 
And for the Browns, it, you know, you had an opportunity to, to knock out Kansas City. Um, just razor thin. It shows you how uh, football really is a game of inches. You know, one more inch, and that's a touchdown that, uh, you know, the Browns have going into halftime. But a, what a great hustle play by Sorensen to dislodge it and knock it out of bounds to get the touchback. Yeah. I mean, that was an absolutely crazy, crazy play on so many levels. I got to ask you this, Emery, because I, I was talking on a radio earlier this morning. I was thinking about this, and you're the, you're the right person to talk to about this. Do you think Lamar will ever throw the ball well enough that they'll get to a Super Bowl and win it? Think Lamar Jackson will ever be able to throw the ball well enough that they'll get to a Super Bowl and win it? Yeah, and here's my issue with Lamar. It's not the fact that he can't throw like people will throw out there. It's the fact that, you know, he's not asked to throw. Because we forget, and I've said I said this when he was a draft prospect. You know, we never got to see Bobby Petrino with Michael Vick because uh, Vick went to jail that year. Him working with Petrino is what it would have looked like in the NFL with Michael Vick. So it's not like Lamar can't throw. He threw the heck out of the football consistently at Louisville. And when he threw the football at Louisville, you didn't see any of the receivers go to the NFL. So it's not like this guy ran the triple option and is now playing in the NFL. If they had an offense that took advantage of his passing ability more so than his legs, and, and I've always said this too, the best threat for a quarterback that has the running ability like Lamar Jackson is to not call design run plays because that gives you a chance defensively. The worst thing that could happen for you defensively is when the play breaks down and that guy that has 4-3 speed takes the heck off. You know, that's the difference. So if they allow the offense to run through his passing game like Buffalo does with Josh Allen, then when the play breaks down, you still have that ace in the hole in Lamar Jackson. So, yes, he can throw himself to a Super Bowl I think Lamar, uh, I think Baltimore's offense has to evolve and add more dynamic playmakers in the passing game to expand those threats. Because outside of Mark Andrews, who's really your intermediate option, who threatens you deep down the field? And you can't say Marquise Brown because he's not the deep threat. You know, a deep threat to me is someone that you fear going deep down the field because he has the great ability to catch the football. Do you really worry about Marquise Brown going deep down the field. I'm more afraid of someone like Des Bryant going deep because I know he can go up and get the football as opposed to a guy with speed. Speed doesn't make you a deep threat. Your ability to catch football consistently really does. So I think when you look at that Ravens offense and expanding the passing game, it's not a question of whether Lamar can do it. It's whether or not the Ravens can create offense. Uh, you know, can they expand their, their coaching ability as far as throwing the football, letting the pass go first. Because you saw in that game when Lamar was asked to throw to get themselves back in the game, they got down the field real quickly. And we've seen this time and time again. I think what happens is in the national media, you get like this narrative that gets pushed um, that Lamar can't throw. It's not that he can't throw. He's only doing what he's asked to do. If the playbook that they have is is 65% run, then, you know, and, and here's the issue. When you're having that playbook that's 65% run, and you're not asking him to throw often, and we talk about this a lot, quarterbacks need to get in the rhythm. It's hard to get in the rhythm when every pass you throw is the most significant pass you have to throw, right? So you don't have that luxury of, of incompletions like a quarterback 
that throws 40 times a game. So I think you just have to rethink their philosophy. The run game is still going to be the run game because Lamar is a threat, and that's going to open things up for all your backs, and it's going to open things up for him. But you don't have to make him a part of the run game. Maybe inside the red zone you can do that, but you want his running to be the last resort because that's going to keep the coverage being what it is. It's going to give him more lanes to run because you see a lot of his big runs, I believe, outside of what we saw last week or two weeks ago against Tennessee, the big runs come from when the plate breaks down. And that play against Tennessee was when the play broke down. It wasn't a design run play. Let's get into this year's college draft de- declaration day, which is today. By the way, I guess they have until the end of the day. So if there's any big surprises, Emery, that happen the rest of the day, you and I can touch on that next week when our focus will be the senior bowl. But for right now, we, we can talk about the guys that we the no, have declared or have not. But we got to start with this new rule this year, man, which is really weird, which is that we all know that every guy was able to get a an extra year this year because of the COVID pandemic. Well, the NFL came out and said that if you're a senior who's completed your four years of eligibility – you actually have Emory until March 1st to decide whether or not you're going to use that extra year. I, I got to be honest with you, Emory. I can't say I totally understand the thought process there. Right, especially when you consider today is the declaration day because if you're a senior, and I guess you look at it from combine prep, but we know there's not going to be a combine in how we understand the combine to be. So what makes them – want to wait until March 1st. A lot of guys are going to make that decision regardless. I think what will happen, it'll put the onus on now these college coaches to strongly encourage a lot of the guys to to leave because from a college coach's perspective, that frees up a roster spot that they can go now and, you know, offer either a grad transfer, someone's in the portal, portal or a high school recruit that they're probably having gray shirt uh, so to speak, because of the roster limitations. So, you know, it's it's going to be a tricky process because you want guys to – the NFL would want guys – want to know who's going to be eligible for the draft, you know, early. So, therefore, those scouts can go and do the background work, especially considering this year is not going to be like most years. So, you want to do as much work as possible. So, have to, having to stretch that out to March 1st, I think is going to be an issue because we know some – Small college teams are kicking off late in February. So you may get a situation where a guy has a great game and then wants to leave after that one game, uh, you know, in late February or whenever they start. Most start late February. Some are starting in March. But, you know, I just don't understand why the two dates. Like, what's the big difference between today and March 1st that's going to change someone's mind? Because a lot of people are already – uh in all-star games. So what's going to happen from now until March 1st? I got to be honest. I I am totally confused by it. Totally. What, why would the seniors get more time to decide than the underclassmen? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, that's the part that I I can understand. That was the drop dead date for the underclassmen and maybe switch today to the seniors. That would make more sense than anything. Um, 
But still, like, what changes from the mindset, like, unless they give them the NFL I'm talking about in their advisory board, I don't know how long that process takes, you know, to say, hey, this guy submitted names. They submitted their names to the advisory board, and they're waiting to hear back from, from that group on their grade. You know, that maybe that's a, a situation to where they're going to need that extra time because a lot of guys are putting in those inquiries. But other than that, I just don't know why March 1st. You know, if anything, make it the end of the month. I'm, I I don't get it. I'm not sure I will get it, Emery. But, look, we got to move on. We got to get to the guys that have declared so far. You got I mean, all the seniors I know, I think, have already made that decision. Right? Like, for the most part? Yeah. You don't see any more of these, you know, Twitter photo declarations anymore, like, talking about it. I mean, you had the one with Trey Sermon. Um, in, a, in the last day or two, you had Travis Etienne declaring, even though he's, like, a ninth-year senior. Um, <laughs> so he declared. Uh, but other than that, you're right. You don't see the rash of them like we saw in December or right before the title game. So there's a bunch we can get to, obviously. I guess I just wanted to get to some of the ones that stood out to you, right? Like, there's a bunch of obvious ones. Like, we're not going to talk about Travis Etienne's decision to go to the NFL, okay? Other than he probably should have done it last year, but that's a whole other story for another day. There are some guys, though, that I wanted to get your opinion of. Um, The first one and we might have touched on this on an earlier episode, is De'Eric King from Miami, who, you know, there's a lot there, man. Um, I was, you know, the whole thing when he transferred from Houston to Miami, I was a little surprised he's going to do an extra year, and then he tears his ACL. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny because, and, and I have to preface this because it's going to sound like how I, like how I don't want it to sound, but it's almost like the ACL helped him make that decision because he was kind of torn between, you know, he did a really good job this year and was a big part of the reason why Miami was winning games um, and proved that he can go from one system to more of a pro-style system and then be successful. He had some comeback wins and all those good things. You know, and, and this is now is the time to be a short quarterback, Right. And so you thought, okay, he could come out and be a draftable quarterback. and uh, But you, you start to hear the rumors that he may think about going back for another year. And it's unfortunate that in that last game, he tore his ACL. So that kind of made the decision for him to go back. But now he has all of these injury concerns because he had the injuries at Houston. He made it all the way throughout the season. Really, you know, Scott Free in the bowl game, no less, gets hurt and tears his ACL. So now he has to go through the rehab, and he's going to have some more injury concerns and questions uh, next year. So it's not surprising, but it was surprising that he was, you know, kind of wavering on his choice to go, you know, back for another year, which will probably, I think, is will be his sixth year. Yeah. It seems like there's a decent amount of guys that were going to get drafted in the middle rounds that are coming back. The big Ohio State tackle that people thought would go in the second round, he's coming back. Another uh, receiver that jumped out, or quarterback that jumped out to you, Emery, was Zarek Cooper from Jacksonville State. Yeah, Zarek Cooper, you know, transferred from Clemson. 
And Jacksonville State played this year. And if you remember against Florida State, he balled out. He had success. And he's had success at Jacksonville State last year, led them to the playoffs. Um, He's, I think, their all-time leading passer in just, you know, three short years there. And so I thought, you know, here's an opportunity where the quarterback crop is not as thick not as long because of people going back. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the junior quarterbacks are going back. A lot of the small school prospects are obviously going to be playing in the spring. So they're not declaring. So here was, here, here was an opportunity for you to be a mid round pick. Cause again, you had the FBS pedigree. Uh, you had success at Jacksonville state. You played well against your power five opponents. And when he decided to go back, again, he's another one that got hurt this year. Uh, you know, later in their season, uh, they played a truncated schedule. I think he broke a leg or something, broke his leg or something. So I thought it was interesting for him to, you know, decide to go back as opposed to declare. Because to me, it would have been a, a a decision where you look at who's in this draft class and how stacked and crowded. I mean, the 2022 draft, 2022 college, uh, 2021 college football season and the 2022 draft will probably be the most competitive season and draft that we've ever seen. This year is going to be thin and slim from a draft perspective, so I probably would have taken my chances in this class as opposed to next year. Interesting. Explain that again why. Think about it. Let's say for a preseason, right, when when we started doing this show, and all throughout, let's say from – February to, or let's say from March to when we started to do the show, we didn't know if we were going to have a college football season, right? So I started to get ahead of some of these prospects, started to grade some prospects. And between you, me, and and everybody that's watching and listening to the show, I had about 84 quarterbacks graded already. That list right now with guys that have declared and let it be known that they're going to the NFL, moving on and not taking advantage of the extra year, 23. So imagine the amount of quarterbacks that I had graded that are going to be next year. And looking at my running back list, it's going to be – it's longer. It was like 100-plus running backs that I had graded because, remember, we had nothing to do during the pandemic but just watch film and just do nothing before we found out we are going to have a college football season. That list is already at 40. So it's like, man, a lot of good players are going back to college, which is going to be great for the game. But, man, next year's draft class is going to be stacked. So this year, even if you are probably on the fringe of maybe a priority free agent, you probably would have gotten drafted in the seventh round uh, in this class. Last year, you're probably going to end up being a priority free agent because it's so deep and talented with guys that have that are taking advantage of that extra year. Um. One guy that is leaving school early that I know caught your attention, Emery, is uh, a quarterback that's highly touted coming out of high school, and that is Davis Mills from Stanford. That one surprised me a little bit, too. Especially when you consider he didn't light it up. I could see if he had a Kyle Trask year and said, you know what, let me just leave while my name's hot. Everybody's talking about me. The people on Twitter are or retweet my throws and saying this is the best throw they've ever seen. This is the highest grade they've ever given a quarterback since they've been doing this. You know, draft Twitter loves to overrate, right? And so when you when you don't have none of that going for you, it, why are you coming out? Uh, you know, and granted, it's his decision. 
but Stanford really was just basic offensively this year. And outside of maybe one or two throws that, that tell, wow, that's a great throw. Yeah, but you're a power five quarterback. Um, you're supposed to make that throw. You know, that's been amazed that a, a, a great tailback at Georgia has a long run. Yeah, you know, you're kind of supposed to do that. That's why they brought you in there. You know, that's the difference between you at University of Georgia and you at University of Georgia at Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? So you're supposed to be doing certain things. So I was shocked to see him declare because I'm thinking, like, maybe I missed something. You know, so I went back and watched him. I'm like, well, why did he come out? You know, so – but his choice – and, and we'll see. But we know the NFL has a type. So, you know, maybe he knows something that we don't know. Well, the thing that's interesting to me, too, about it is, you know, supposedly that there aren't guys right now that people think will necessarily be like locked top 10 picks next year. Like they thought about guys like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and even Trey Lance at this time a year ago. So it seems to me for a guy like Davis Mills or JT Daniels or whoever who is going back to Georgia, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity to light it up next year and be that guy that kind of rises to the top of board. Speaking, by the way, of opportunity, how about this? DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And as a result, you can turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users can bet $1 on Conor McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. By the way, we also have the conference championship game Sunday. So if you want to do the DraftKings Sportsbook app or the DraftKings DFS app, that's the way to do it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSS when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code ROSS for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Limited time. Only at DraftKings. Sportsbook must be 20 or older. New Jersey pay only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for detailed gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, it's interesting, Emery. Uh, you know, I follow Penn State closely, living here in central Pennsylvania. And they actually, Penn State actually had uh, not one but two guys kind of surprise me with their decisions to go back to school. You know, Jahan Dotson had an unbelievable year for Penn State. He's not a big dude. He's like 5'11", a buck 75, silky smooth. He's got a good burst, but he's not a burner. I don't know that he could do much more than he did this year. And he came back to school. He was a true junior. Now, I will say this. There's a lot of good receivers out in this year's draft. He wasn't, like, ranked in the top 10 when you look at the rankings. And I think now that he had such a good year, Emory, my sense is next year he'll be one of those guys talked about as like a top 10 guy. Right? This year it's Devontae Smith and Waddle and Jamar Chase. He'll have a chance to be talked about like one of those guys going into next year and maybe be a first or second rounder instead of a third or fourth round. I was still a little bit surprised by that. 
And then Jaquan Brisker, who's a junior college kid from Lackawanna, he had an awesome year for Penn State. It was his second year out of JC. He might have been their most important defensive player. He was invited to the Senior Bowl. I thought he accepted the invite to the Senior Bowl, Emery, but evidently not. He's coming back to school. And I also think, like, he's talented enough. Probably a good decision because he would have been a mid-round pick. But I think now, you know, he'll be up for the Thorpe Award. People will be talking about him in very high regard. I I used to think if you were top four rounds, you should go. But if you have a chance to go from third or fourth to first or second, it's not just the money. It just makes a big difference in sort of the equity the team has in you, right? Like, the, like how much invested they have in you and your success. Damn, that, that, Ross, that may be the most prophetic thing you've said ever. Think about that. The investment they have in you, which means they give you more opportunity to work through your issues. That's the difference between a quarterback you draft in the first round and a quarterback you draft in the fifth round, right? You know, so you better make all your throws if you're in the fifth round. The first round, we'll blame everybody around you before we get to the point to say, you know what, you are actually the problem. Um, and you're right. So if you have a chance to really increase your equity or the team has equity in you, then you can do it, especially if you're at a position to where the, the physical toll isn't there on your body. And that's a great observation. I think that's a fantastic point. Um, that would be a little bit different if you're in the trenches, which is why it's shocking to see the Ohio State guy go back or some of these guys in the trenches um, go back to school. But you talk about the receiver for Penn State. It's that tricky thing, man, where, all right, yeah, they're talking about the Alabama receivers and, you know, Rondell Moore is another guy that, that people are talking about. And you may not be thought of as a top 10 guy. However, in this draft class, because the, the you know, the pickings may be slim, you may get elevated, you know, from a third round to a second round. We've, we've seen this done with quarterbacks to where you have a QB that, you know, was a probably a third-round guy, but because, you know, a quarter, the quarterback picking is slim in, the, in this particular draft class, whatever, he may get elevated to high second round. And you know there's always going to be a run on positions, and receiver seems to be one that's going to be one in this class that's going to be run on. So you're going to see guys continue to move up around perhaps so it's always interesting because not you don't know where you're going to be picked, but you do have an idea of, you know, if there's elite talent at the top and it's not a depth of talent, um, your position is going to get pushed up, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting. It's, it's tough to game. Okay. When is that going to happen? Juxtaposed to should I go back? And it's interesting because all of those Penn state players, you mentioned I thought was going to easily go, especially considering what happened this year. They didn't really have a good year, but I, I am actually surprised that a lot of guys are all about team, you know, this year in terms of the decisions they've made to go back, which is why I'm excited for next year's college football season. It's also interesting just to see the schools that have the most guys that leave. Like Texas has four leaving early. USC has six, including Amon Ra, St. Brown, and 
Jay Tufalele uh, and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, how about Virginia Tech, by the way, having two like top 15 guys and Caleb Farley and Christian Darasau. You don't see that all that often. Uh, TCU has three. Syracuse has three. South Carolina. Stanford has four, which you just don't kind of expect that, I guess, from a Stanford. Uh, Oklahoma has four. You kind of expect that. Ohio State only one. And, and Sean Wade, uh, which I think is interesting. So check out the trackers. Look, we're going to be talking about all these guys that already left. We're going to be talking about all of them over the next few weeks. Next week, we'll dive into the Senior Bowl. After that, we're going to go hot and heavy on uh, positional breakdowns. What do you got, Emery? Well, think about my Raging Cajuns. All of their seniors, there was a senior-laden team this year. And outside of Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis, Mitchell is going to the Senior Bowl, and Regis got an invite to the, to the Shrine game, but we know they're not being played. But all those other seniors have already announced they're coming back. So that's going to be another team with experience. But, you you know, maybe they looked at it from the group of five perspective, like, hey, we know we're not going to be top ten picks or top three-round picks, you know, so let's just run it back one more year. So you've seen a lot of guys that were seniors that were good, quality players that would have been in camps, now decide to come back. Check him out on social media like I do. He's a stud. That's where you can follow all of his stuff at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. We're we're youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can also get us social media at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker Pod. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guides where it's at. Cannot wait to break down the senior bowl with Emery next week. We'll be with you. We are the place to be. The podcast you need to be with leading up until the 2021 draft. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.